Hi, I'm Wendy Dean. And I'm Simon Talbot. And this is Moral Matters. Today we're speaking with Mr. Jim Beckner. Jim Beckner is the Executive Director of the Richmond Academy of Medicine, or RAM. It's a medical society in Richmond, Virginia. And we invited um, Jim to speak to us about how RAM thinks about supporting its 2,100 physicians and about how they incorporate the concept of moral injury in the work that they're doing. Hi, Jim. Thank you so much for joining us today. I guess the, the, the first thing to do is, can you give us a little background about the Richmond Academy of Medicine, uh, where it came from, what it does, where you're at? Absolutely. First of all, um, thank you for this opportunity. It's wonderful to be here. Um, the Richmond Academy of Medicine is a county or local medical society of about 2,100 practicing physicians uh, and, and some retired physicians. We just celebrated our 200th anniversary. Um, wow. And under the, uh, the umbrella of the academy, we have, uh, in addition to membership services supporting physicians and the physician community, we also have a variety of other organizations, a free clinic for specialty care, a credentialing organization, uh, an advanced care planning uh, organization, as well as a medical society management company. 200 years. That's impressive. It really is. It is a great group with a wonderful history of all the way back to uh, when we first began. We uncovered some stories about physician knife fights and duels <laughs> over patient care, over questions of patient care and who was right and who gave the best advice. Um, so wow. that passion that keeps us going is still going. Thankfully, no knife, gun, or <laughs> duels. <laughs> so, Jim, why did they start it? What was it that um, that started off the, the Richmond Academy? The physician community at the time wanted a place where they could come together, um, talk about cases and patients and learn from one another and advance medicine, uh, so to speak. Um, at the time... Um, there really was no public health. There was no organization, formal or informal, or even in the organizational process that brought physicians and, and uh, their care community together. Um, there were no training standards. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to hang out a shingle and call yourself a physician, you did. So in some ways, you've been able to actually keep some of that goal, right? Physicians coming together, talking about medical care, being a community. Absolutely. It's those things that uh, have stuck with us, if you will, for over 200 years. It's the, th the very things that keep us alive and vibrant today, I believe. So you have the distinction of being the first group that asked us for a talk after we published our article. And I will say that it was it was impressive how engaged your group is, your society. But I also, I'm a little curious, what was it about that article that struck you as useful to your community? We came upon the article and one of the things, one of the services we offer is a weekly uh, e-news, if you will, newsletter. And that we put it at the top and it garnered <laughs> lots of clicks. So we put it through uh, and led with it a second week. 
Um, and the conversations that started around that were uh, vigorous. And, and uh, there was a, a level of excitement. Um, the, the comment that I heard most often was, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Um, and, and so it resonated with our members in a way that other articles and efforts hadn't. All of a sudden, it was an article acknowledging that physicians are not the problem, um, that your inability, Mr. or Mrs. or Ms. Physician, to uh, survive or thrive in this environment is your fault. It's not an issue of what's being done to you. Um, the article brought that part of the equation forward. And the physician community got it and literally said, yeah, <laughs> um, that's what made the difference um, that got us thinking, well, I wonder if they would come to speak to little old Richmond uh, and, and our physicians. And we invited you all for one of our quarterly membership meetings. It was in May, I think, of 2019. And you all were the program. And as you know, the room was packed. Um, questions and comments after your presentation went on long after the meeting was supposed to end. It resonated. It struck a nerve. It um, gave physicians the answer that, you know what, it is not the fact that I don't do yoga twice a day, that <laughs> I'm feeling this way. It mm -hmm. is the fact that these are the circumstances in which I am being made to operate. And that's a different, you know, it's a different paradigm. It's a different mindset. Yeah. So one of the things that you had talked about as we've had contact since spring of 2019, is that the society, in the context of that approach or that, that resonance with the concept, you've built your efforts at change or advocacy to support physicians using the moral injury construct. And I, I wonder if you could just talk with us a little bit about how that's shifted, how you approach support for your physicians. The article was the first light bulb or the first aha moment. Uh, and then you all coming and meeting and talking with our members was the second. And you gave us uh, essentially three charges or three things that we needed to look for change, support, or do. The first of those was valuing and supporting physicians. And the second was valuing and protecting the physician-patient relationship. And the third was creating community. Um, but again, because of the resonance of your message, we took those three points and began to use them as the filter for our programming, uh, for the things that we offered our members. We began to look at them and see, okay, in which pot, which of these three pots does an activity or a service fit? Um, and for example, in valuing and supporting physicians, we have contract negotiation to help not only new physicians, but hospitalists and hospital-based physicians and practice-based physicians negotiate contracts and look for 
pitfalls and traps. We uh, help with health systems. We actually pay an attorney to come in and resource physicians when their health system or hospital bylaws are being changed. Those changes are 99.9% of the time driven by the health system and may or may not, uh, I'll be generous, have the best interests of the physician at heart. Um, so we actually pay for legal aid to help physicians in that bylaws process. Um, we begin to look at legislative advocacy and uh, uh, put our efforts at the, where the pain points were for physicians, what things were interfering with the valuing and supporting of physicians and, and what things were getting in the way of the patient-physician uh, relationship. Um, one example, the most recently, uh, the Department, Virginia Department of Industry and Labor developed a, a very extensive, and again, I'll be polite and call it far-reaching set of regulations and requirements in light of COVID. It was originally written for uh, meat packing and poultry service workers. In their great wisdom, the Commonwealth of Virginia decided, well, this should apply to everyone, including physician practices and hospitals. Um, wow. Square peg, round hole. Um, but it was law, and we had to comply. Instead of perhaps uh, an, another option of saying, okay, physicians, let's help you deal with this, the approach we took was, okay, no, let's, let's go to the problem. It's not the physician response. The problem is the regulations. So we contacted a consulting firm who was already working on this. We got together and developed a response toolkit and a compliance toolkit and made that available to all of our practices. Uh, if, they, if a practice had 100% membership, we paid for it. If they wow. did not, they got the toolkit at uh, a 50% discount. Um, we had training sessions for practice administrators uh, to help them get through these requirements. Again, instead of going to the physician and saying, let me help you deal with this, it was, no, let's go to the source of the problem. And that was what was being done to the physician community. And so uh, we worked on, on that. Um, we had started a COVID center within two weeks after uh, 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 when COVID really began to hit the news and um, two staff members full-time pumping out information, vetting information, trying to deal with the infodemic <laughs> that was hitting at the same time the epidemic was hitting. Um, we started a program in the midst of that called Loving Lunches, RVA, where we raised funds from the community and bought meals and had them delivered to the COVID treatment units in all the local hospitals, as well as the nursing homes in the area that were being hardest hit by COVID um, on all shifts, just so as a morale booster, so that they knew the community cared and was behind them. We delivered 60 plus thousand meals. Wow. Uh, um, uh, you know, that was that was pretty huge. Um, uh, CME, physician surveys and interviews. We um, started a uh, early career physician group, um, which uh, 
It's actually run by early career physicians, but it focuses on what are their issues as new to practice. Um, what, how do they balance family and babysitters and, and work and all of those kinds of things. Um, for valuing the patient-physician relationship, we did a lot of work on telemed support. Um, we uh, do a lot of insurance advocacy on part of the physician with our partner, the Medical Society of Virginia. Again, a ton of legislative advocacy um, against insurance company overreach and PBMs, trying to keep them at bay, trying to address things like oppressive processes like um, prior authorization um, and to do what we can. Again, in that instance, valuing the physician-patient relationship and allowing the physician to control what goes on in the, in the exam room. And lastly, community. We do a number of things. We have networking socials where the point is or the purpose is just for the physician to community to get together, to see one another, to learn the person beyond the drop-down menu in their medical electronic medical record. Um, we do educational events uh, on a variety of topics. We also, our, our right group, our early career physician group, helped us create three family-centered events. They told us whenever you can do a RAM wanna-do with a family gotta-do, you have us. So we have, for instance, a fall day, RAM day at a local pumpkin patch where physicians can come with their families. We have a tent. They get pumpkins. They do the obligatory Halloween stuff, and yet they get to get together as a physician community. We do a RAM day at the local baseball park with dinner and the ball game and fireworks and have uh, um uh, raffle or drawing, if you will, of who, of what RAM member or RAM guest gets to throw out the opening bid. Um, and at the holidays, the winter holidays, we have um, what's called the uh, the Garden Fest of Lights at a, at a botanical garden here. And again, give the opportunity for RAM families to come together. Uh, um, Santa's there, there's hot chocolate, and uh, miles of lights to be seen. So whatever we can do to support the work-life balance of, uh, of physicians. So again, those, again, working on those three points mm -hmm. that you all gave us <laughs> and using those as the lens for what we do. Jim, this is just... Um spectacular the, the the representation that you have for physicians the the collective voice that you have for physicians and and the the help that you're giving people to get back to taking good care of their patients which is i think what most of us are trying to do um our best at doing and and i mean every physician listening to this heard your buzzwords benefit managers credentialing <laughs> prior authorization i mean there's not some, there's nobody listening to this who's not who, who's not seething when they hear those things and i think a lot of people would love to have an organization um, working for them that was as strong in that advocacy role. Can you tell us a little bit about how your members and doctors have responded to the work that you've been doing? We are 
first and foremost a physician organization. We're physician governed, we're physician led. Um, so what the physician wants or needs is first and foremost. Um, for instance, in advocacy, we work within our part of the system, if you will, the advocacy system within the state, which is in partnership with our state medical society uh, in proposing legislation and proposing policy, which will guide the state's position on, poli on uh, policy matters, medical matters. Um, also, putting forth proposals to determine what legislative priorities will be for the following year. Um, now, as anyone in legislative advocacy knows, we can have the best of intentions and we can say these are our priorities next year, um, but that process is completely governed by what gets submitted and put on the table. Uh, sometimes best intentions are just that and our priorities have to be set aside to either work for or to battle against other things uh, that got put on the policy table. Um, so we have uh, our legislative committee uh, meets uh, at least twice a year. It's our largest committee. It has a hundred and some folks on it. Um, the average meeting is 30 to 40 people that actually show up um, with others that take place either before or after in writing and reviewing. Um, our delegates, our member delegates go to the state uh, medical society meeting. We have two meetings at least every fall where we meet with local legislators. We invite local legislators to dinner uh, or to breakfast and uh, invite the physician community to attend one or both of those meetings and talk with one another for legislators to learn and see what physician priorities are and for the physician community to learn and see what legislator priorities are um, and work at establishing that relationship which will become much more important in the next few weeks when the legislative session then opens um, and each year we have a pretty uh, involved advocacy process in, in which for us is in the January, February, March uh, uh, months of the year. Uh, we have what we call white coat on call days, which in normal circumstances is when uh, we work with teams of physicians which show up at the legislator legislature and we make appointments and they spend the day going from office to office uh, in their white coats talking to legislators about issues of importance. And we'll do uh, at least two of those, sometimes three or four of those a legislative session. Um, this year, uh, it was a bit different. They were done by Zoom, uh, um, which had its challenges, but like everything else all of us were doing, we made it work. Um, again, uh, building on the relationships that built in other times of the year to then hopefully influence legislation in a positive way when the legislature is actually in session. Jim, that's just fantastic. I mean, to, to, to actually have that degree of involvement and um, uh, influence is, is great. I, I have to give credit to geography. 
Um, we are the capital city, so it is much easier. Um, and there are medical societies, county societies across the state that come and participate and show up and do the same thing or uh, often join us on our legislative days. Uh, the, we often have multiple days for the medical societies that we manage as well. Uh, the uh, pediatricians or the surgeons or the derm society or rheumatology society, uh, they will often either join us or we will craft a day uh, for them there so that they have their own white coats on call day. So it's, it sounds to me like what you're doing is you are actively, intensively listening to what your physicians need, and then you are facilitating the conversations or the actions that they need to take in order to support what their goals are. Thank you. We try. That's <laughs> our goal. That's what we try to do as, as, as much as we can ask a lot of questions, uh, surveys, interviews, um, meeting with individual physicians. Uh, one of the first things I did when I get, when I came to the Academy was to take the first year to meet with every member that I could possibly meet with and ask yeah. a few questions and then shut up and listen and listen to what they said. Um, the same with practice managers, um, uh, bringing them together. How can we support them? But then asking questions, what do you want? What are your pain points? Um, where now when something comes up, they call us. What do you know about? Can you go find out information on this? Um, I think we would really love an expert talk to talk to us on this new thing coming down from the federal government. Um, and once yeah. you establish that pattern and that culture of listening and responding positively to their needs, then it becomes a give and take. Uh, and and folks proactively seek you out and say help. Right. Well, it also seems like the thing that you do is you see the big picture, but at the same time, you're able to kind of drill down into the details and help physicians understand, Here's here are the steps that you need to take in order to make the change that you want to see. Again, we try. Mm -hmm. um, we, you know, we do the best we can. Sometimes our programs are 30,000 foot view. Other times they are very specific. A current example of that is two years ago, we had a program on medical marijuana, which had at that time had just passed the legislature, uh, and with a two year rollout timeline, um, fast forward two years. Now here we are. And in July, it's coming. So we've got a three-part series. Uh, you know, what science says about it, the data uh, for you and your patients. Number two, what are the practical details? How do you go about prescribing, recommending? Once that, once your patient goes to the dispensary, what, what they see, do, and what happens to them and with them? And then the third is an actual tour uh, of... A growing, growing, growery, growing dispensary <laughs> here in the city. Um, so sometimes it's the 30,000 foot view and other times it's down in the weeds. No pun intended. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or maybe it, just a little bit intended. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> so Jim, if, if a physician organization 
anywhere around the country, or, or frankly at this stage around the world, came to you and said, you're doing things well, we're hearing good things. What advice do you have for us? What broad categories of advice would you go with? I would repeat for them the three things that you gave us. The valuing and supporting physicians, value, support, and protect the physician-patient relationship, and create community for your members. Um, and to use that as a lens through which your programming is offered. Um, I would say to them, work together. Work with other groups in your state or in other states. Um, call, text, uh, send smoke signals, but ask. <laughs> Plan together. There's no reason for each one of us to have to reinvent the wheel. Right. Um, the and lastly would be keep physicians first and foremost in you know as the priority of your group ask lots and lots of questions and then shut up <laughs> and let physicians talk physicians will tell you what their pain points are and you can ask the question different ways you know what keeps you awake at night sometimes it's a medical answer sometimes the answer i got was i'm frustrated that when i come home i have to come home so i can eat dinner with my family and then go back to the office or turn on my computer and work on patient charts till midnight yeah that that answer i wasn't expecting but that was one of the answers i got mm. um so it's it's ask the questions and then be quiet. I was uh, uh, fortunate enough to be able to, uh, I was invited up to the uh, Medical Society of New York component society meeting. Um, and we had a great time talking with one another, trading ideas, bouncing things off of one another. Um, uh, absolutely plagiarizing things from one, <laughs> from one group or another. Again, there's no point in reinventing the wheel. We're all in this together. Um, so what we do, I am happy to share with anybody else, um, you know, that they can take and modify. That's really super. Spectacular. I mean, what you're yeah. doing is taking care of your constituents. And that is what every medical society should be striving for and not only uh, taking care of them but but listening and actually adapting and changing and moving and, and doing the things that that um you know good representation involves so we're really grateful for what you're doing but but i know that all your members are grateful as well so thank you yeah thank you so much thank you you know it's it is a joy to do it it's a joy to try to be successful we're not always successful as a mentor of mine said to me years ago even falling flat on your face is still a forward motion <laughs> um and i have taken great comfort in that as i have picked myself up and dusted myself off to go forth another day um as you know so many forces are working against physicians and for that matter against medical societies mm -hmm. and against our efforts because our what when we try to attack the problem and the issue and not blame it on physician wellness we become a target as well mm -hmm. right um, so again community is extremely important we have to support and be there for one another in order to make headway. Yeah. Well, thanks for being out there. We really 
We appreciate Thank it. you all. You all were were um, uh, your your article. Physicians aren't burning out; they're suffering from moral injury. <laughs> you know that was a um, it was a game changer. It was an absolute game changer. So thank you for that. Yeah. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, this was this was such a fun conversation to talk with him because I really feel like part of his mission is figuring out the best way to support his physicians, the his physician membership. And the way he does it is to listen intently. That's right. You know, the, the thing that I think is really important to underline for our uh, listeners is that uh, Jim's not a physician and Jim is an administrator of the society. And quite frankly, we get a lot of people who contact us and say, hey, the problem's administration. And I think Jim's an example of the problem not being administration, uh, at least where he is, where he is somebody who's a really practical advocate for physicians and clinicians in general. He's very engaged. He has a role in a physician-led organization. And he said more than once, you know, I try to ask a question and then shut up. And (laughs) it's just the idea that if you ask the people that are in the trenches, they will tell you an awful lot of the answers. And I think we hear that over and over again. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And more than that, he he describes how they as a society have listened to their physicians, and then rather than helping the physicians understand how better to meet regulatory or legislative requirements, they've gone back and questioned those requirements, they've pushed back against them, and they've actually made progress. So they've cleared away some of the barriers for their physicians. It is exactly like that quote that you and I have used a number of times from the, uh, uh, I think it was the CEO at Intermountain Health who said, my job is not to explain why the walls are there, but it's to knock them down. Right. Right. And that's a very important mindset, I think, when it comes to how to actually deal with these problems. Yeah, exactly. Um, The other thing that uh, Jim did was um, really tangibly clarify and classify the different things they were doing um, and the different um, ways that they were trying to change the uh, conversation and the environment. So, you know, as far as valuing physicians, they practically went out there and looked at contract negotiations. They put together legal resources when hospitals were changing their bylaws and they went at the legislative advocacy to try and fix some of the pain points that were problems. So they were very, very practical. Right. And they also explained to their physicians why those things are important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so to me, it just, it, it speaks again to the need for us to protect these societies or these, these organizations and groups that are maintaining the physician perspective mm-hmm. or just a clinician perspective. What is important to you and how do your the organizations that you're part of, how can you support them in having your back? Right. Well, it's also a prototype for um, systems level change mm-hmm. um, where you're going to the individuals that have the problem and saying, we recognize that you can't 
run legislative advocacy. We recognize that you individually can't deal with a collective contract, but what can we do as a group? What can we do as a community? And how can we get together to make change happen? And I mean, that is kind of the the essence of politics as well, right? But Mm -hmm. it's doing it on a nice small scale that's manageable for the physicians in their group. Right. Right. Yeah, it was a great conversation. So as always, thank you for joining us for Moral Matters. And if you want to continue the conversation, we're on Facebook at Moral Injury of Healthcare. Instagram at Moral Injury. Twitter at WDMD and Simon Talbot MD and at Fix Moral Injury. We have an upcoming episode of Ask Us Anything, and we're going to cover some of the most common questions that we get asked uh, in various different ways. But along those lines, continue to contact us, send us emails, contact us via Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and we'll include some of your questions in that episode. Yeah, and along those lines, keep up the rating and reviews. It really helps others to find us. If you like the episode, share it with a couple of other people and subscribe to upcoming episodes. Rate us online, review us. It's a, it's a great way to, to get the word out. We will see you next time.